you choose, you choose every day. You choose how you want to approach the day. You can choose to wake up and say, wow, this is going to be absolutely miserable. And it's the worst day of my life because I got to do X, Y, Z. Or you can choose to wake up and say, hey, this is going to be a difficult day, but I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to be around amazing people. And when I'm done, I'm going to be really proud of what it is. And more importantly, it's over. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. What's up, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you guys about Desert Fox Golf. I've recently partnered up with them, and they have some awesome products that you definitely want to check out. They have something called the Phone Caddy, which is the best phone holder in golf. It comes in many different colors, and they even have ones with funny sayings on it, like, I work to support my golf habit, and it takes a lot of balls to play like me. If you are like me and like to use a golf app while you're playing, then this is the thing for you because it holds your phone in a convenient location right on the golf cart. They even have a cigar holder attachment for it. One of my favorite things is their drink aid tumblers. They have these awesome 17-ounce stainless tumblers with a screw-on lid to hold your favorite beverage while playing around the golf. They have different versions from the classic swing aid to nurse aid, hunting aid, fishing aid, and my personal favorite design, the Patriot Aid Tumbler. Head over to DesertFoxGolf.com and use the promo code ROUGHNECKS for 10% off your order. But let's get into today's guest. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. This is episode 141, and joining me today is a guest that I'm super excited to have on and to expand this partnership that I've worked up um, that I'm really looking forward to growing uh, with in the future. Joining me today, though, I have Scott, who is the co-founder of Desert Fox Golf. You guys have heard me talk about Desert Fox Golf a lot lately, and that is with good reason. But without further ado, Scott, welcome to the Roughnecks Podcast. Hey, Cole. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a real pleasure to come on, talk to the audience about uh, Desert Fox Golf, and talk a little bit about uh, what we got going on and of course, get an opportunity to chat with you as well. Yeah, as I found you, I originally saw you guys. I think I saw you guys uh, saw one of your posts on Instagram or something, and I was checking out your stuff, and I was like, "Man, this would be really cool, like to work with with the podcast and being a, somebody who likes the golf and like I actually really like the products. Like, it's not like something that I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just put this on the pod. Like, I actually, you know, I have now I have three of the Swing Eight tumblers." a phone caddy and one of the golf towels as well. And it's just, I'm, I'm blown away by every one of them. I use my swing aid tumblers constantly, but I'm glad that we were finally able, you know, after some conversation back and forth, we finally got something together. And now for all, you guys just heard about it in the uh, in promo, but you know, roughnecks po- or yeah, use promo code roughnecks at desertfoxgolf.com for 10% off your order. So if you want to head over there before, as you're listening or, uh, once you're done here into this episode, definitely use that promo code and get yourself some uh, some Desert Fox Golf stuff. But I'm really glad that you, you know, you guys uh, took the chance to work with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always uh, nice to to meet new people and you know be supportive of you know people's ambitions and things that they like to do out there. So you know, happy to happy to help you out and you know, frankly, appreciate uh, all of the uh, the goodwill you've brought our way as well. You know, letting people know about the products, helping spread the word. We're still pretty new, um, you know, it started back in 2018, but, um, you know, it's a very long road to building a brand and awareness and, and whatnot. 
Yeah, definitely. I understand that a little bit with the podcast. Not quite like I don't have to sell for sure, let's say, but but uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, trying to build a brand, like build an image and become recognized is definitely not easy, which I'm sure we'll get into. But um, just to kind of kick off the episode, I like to allow all my guests to give a background on themselves. So tell the Roughnecks listeners who you are. Um, and yeah. Sure thing. Love to. Um, so I know if I'm not mistaken, um, maybe a little bit of a younger audience, which is fantastic. Um, give you a little bit of background, starting with college. I graduated from Penn State uh, University in Pennsylvania there, um, basically a degree in electrical engineering. Uh, went off and uh, took my, one. well, not exactly my first job, but uh, the first job that I ended up staying with for a long time. A uh, long-time career guy at Intel Corporation out in Arizona. Um, spent over 23 years there, and while I was at Intel, got a uh, master's in business administration from Arizona State University. So, long-time career Intel guy, all sorts of different roles, everything from product marketing to, you know, hardcore engineering, software design, chip-level design, all the way up until I was doing um, something called a uh, technical assistant role to a general manager, you know, helping one run one of our business units when we were ushering in digital television and and all that kind of fun stuff. So, you know, ultimately started Desert Fox Golf back in, as I mentioned, 2018 with a long-term friend of mine. Uh, his name's Eric Fox. So now you guys know where the fox comes from. We live in the desert. So you put those two together, Desert Fox, and we started a golf company. So incredibly creative with the name. Um, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, from there, we kind of were off to the races. So I've been with Desert Fox Golf since then actually recently left Intel uh, back in 2021. And now this is all I do full time. So considering myself semi retired, um, you know, basically doing the Desert Fox golf thing. I always used to joke around with all my friends at Intel and tell them that at some point I want to sell lawn chairs. And it looks like instead of doing that Cole, I'm selling uh, cell phone holders for golf carts. Yeah, the, which I will we'll get into the cell phone holders for sure, because I want to kind of like get into like how that idea came about but also you know it's funny that you talked about being an intel and for such a long time because that is like the big thing in our area right now and intel is being put in and it's supposed to be bringing thousands of jobs and you're seeing communities start to expand um already and it's not even done but i mean uh, being in the um, blue collar workforce area you know we or with concrete and stuff, we're experiencing shortages in that because of the plan in that and all kinds of different things. But, you know, Intel is a huge thing that's coming out here. And uh, it's, just, it's just funny how somebody you don't even know, there's a correlation, like a strange correlation that you just come about. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. My, and again, originally I'm, you know, born and raised just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I have a family of mine, um, you know, an uncle that lives up in Painesville, have some friends, or excuse me, cousins that live uh, just outside of Youngstown. Um, so, you know, very familiar with the area. And for years, whenever I moved out west, you know, for the opportunity, I always wished that there was an Intel location back east, you know, move back closer to family, friends, that type of stuff. And here we are, fast forward, you know, 20 plus years, and and they're actually building that huge plant out in, uh, out in Ohio, thanks to the Chips and Technology Act, you know. So really exciting times um, to see that happening, you know, the expansion of the, of the company out, out to the East Coast. And it's kind of wild that you're right, you know, it's a small world, you know, you end up having a, a uh, what do you want to call it, I guess, an almost relationship through the, through the company there at, at some point in time. Yeah. <clears throat> but how, like, what was the idea, like, why did Desert Fox Golf start? Like, how did it even start? Yeah. 
probably the easiest way to <clears throat> really go back through the story is um, the evolution of the use of cell phones out on the golf course. So I started using a golf app um, called the Grint, um, still very popular and one of the best apps out there that, you know, that I still use to this day. And in addition to that, also started to use an application from Golf Genius um, in some of our golf leagues that we play in out here. So all of a sudden your cell phone, you know, is starting to become your GPS, your yardage, electronic scoring, you know, and the list kind of goes on and on. And I mentioned my uh, my good friend, Eric Fox. He's actually the inventor of the phone caddy, um, introduced him to the whole golf app thing. Um, he and I played a lot of golf together back in the day. And, you know, we would take your cell phone, throw it into the cubby, cram it into a drink holder. Um, he'd leave it on the seat one time, drove off, couldn't find his phone. It was like two or three fairways behind us, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And, um, it just so happens that at that exact same time, again, I think this is like 2016, 17, you know, the telephone companies kind of changed their model where you used to just get a cell phone and it was more or less free. And they kind of, you know, switched that on all of us. And, you know, you know, now you're buying the cell phone. Sure, you can still rent it, but at the end of the day, it's an extra 20, 30 bucks a month, you know, that you're paying for until your device is paid off. Right. And so, all of a sudden the cell phone, you know, went from becoming just something that's disposable to something that's truly, you know, a thousand dollars that, you know, you're going to throw into a cubby or it's going to get scratched up or, you know, something like that. And the utility of it out on the golf course is just going through the roof. Right. So the, you know, kind of the convergence of those two things kind of led us to, you know, him, you know, going off and 3d printing a couple of prototypes. And he sent me a picture one day with his phone, just kind of suspended on the uh, upright strata of the golf cart. And I'm like, what the heck is that? You know, and he explained it to me what he did. And, you know, he said, send me your phone specifications and I'll print one for your phone. And so, you know, made one for my phone. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is genius. This is awesome. You know, now I don't have my phone, you know, like I said, just thrown somewhere in the golf cart. And for sports, I, I hate having stuff in my pockets, right? So some people can do that. Um, I'm just not somebody that likes to have a lot of stuff in my pockets whenever I'm playing golf. Um, and so I was like, hey, this, this, this could be something. And, you know, to be completely fair, the first prototypes we built, it's 3D printed, right? It's not the highest quality. Um, and you're looking at it and you're like, well, I'm just going to go buy one, right? And so me being the business guy, went off, did a bunch of competitive analysis and realized there were not a lot of options, you know, circa 2016, 17, you know, for you to go buy a nice cell phone holder for the golf cart. So, you know, his and my wheels started spinning and, you know, did a bunch of different prototypes, a business plan, you know, all that kind of wonderful good stuff. And, you know, probably a good couple of 200, 300, some odd prototypes later, we came out with the, uh, the actual phone caddy that we were able to take to market. Yeah. Uh, I'm the same as you, like when I'm, especially when I'm any sports, but especially golf, I don't like the first thing I do when I'm getting in the golf cart is everything gets emptied out of my pockets. I'm the same exact way. And like, you know, the golf apps are becoming more and more popular. You know, my brother has a range finder and stuff, and I've always just been like, Oh yes. And, but it's, it changes the game when you're able to actually, you know, have the yardage in front of you. And the, the golf app is something that I also went to and people are like, oh, it's not accurate. Is, it, there's always there's discrepancies of what, how accurate it is and isn't. But, you know, there's been times where my brother shot it with the rangefinder and they're within like two yards of each other. And it's like, well, then it's like either they're both not accurate or they're fairly close. So, you know, and the losing the phone, oh, I think everybody who's <laughs> played enough golf has lost their phone at some point 
uh, even if they're not using one of the golf apps, it's real easy. Like you'll just set it down. There's no great place in the golf cart for your phone because if it gets put in the uh, the cubby, I mean, you, you really most people won't ever see it again. Or some people like to play music or whatever. And it's just it's a very convenient. The phone caddy is so convenient and awesome. It just makes it so easy to just have your phone right there. And if you get a call or anything, it's just right there at your convenience. And I really like how you guys, you know. I'm sure this was something that took some time. I don't know if it came out this way exact at first, but like it fits any phone. It doesn't matter what kind of phone you have. It expands. It it, it allows you to, it's universal essentially, which I really like. How long, like, was that something that came out originally with it? Yeah. You heard me mention that we had a couple hundred prototypes. Um, there was a reason for that. Right. And it was all around trying to figure out how we could make something very easily adjustable and potentially patentable. And so I wrote the patent for it. Um, thanks to my, you know, many, many years at Intel, you kind of get used to doing those types of things. And so I drafted the patent and it was approved and uh, basically got patented for, I think it was like last year, April of last year. And we have another one in the works now and we call it phone fit technology. <laughs> um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it, it takes a lot to, you know, it's not so much fitting the cell phone as it is all the unique cases that are out there. So everybody has a different case configuration. You know, they have, you know, pop sockets and other stuff that they put onto the phones. You know, we'll never fit 100%. There's always, you know, configurations that are just either too big or have too much stuff on them. But we're well into the high 90s, you know, in terms of the number of phones that actually fit inside of the phone caddy. So you're absolutely right. Early on, a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of different design configurations. You know, to figure out something that we felt was easy to use, um, you know, and, and basically did the job as efficiently as possible. And then you guys recently just came up with the uh, cigar holder as well. Would you want to go ahead and, you know, touch on that? Yeah, you know, and, you know, kudos to to us, I guess, in hindsight. Um, it's always, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but we built into the original phone caddy base an accessory slot. And we both kind of knew about cigar holders that are out there and whatnot. And, and we were like, you know, let's just build something. And, and maybe somewhere down the line, if this thing's successful, we'll, we'll add some accessories to it. And we actually have a couple more in the works, but that accessory slot, uh, the first you know product that we decided to pop in there is in fact a cigar holder. So the cigar holder has to be used with a phone caddy. Um, so for you know anybody that's out there that you know, isn't a cigar aficionado, um, hopefully, uh, this convinces you that having your cell phone in a better place is a good is a good thing as well. But it's super simple. Um, it basically just slides into the bottom of the phone caddy, and it's a spring operated, you know, plastic, uh, you know, cigar holder. So you just lift it up, pop your cigar in there, and you know, keeps it uh, keeps it safe and secure whenever you're out playing golf. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that when I first saw the cigar holder and I was like, it's an attachment. I was like, that's not going to be the only one. There's definitely going to be other things that come with this, which I'm excited to see in the future what what uh, what's going to come along with it. But um, yeah, that was I mean, everything that you guys make, I feel like all of your guys' products, are, it's like mainly about the convenience factor. And it does make everything so convenient because I mean, even cigars like some people will shoot with them in their mouth or some people will set it on top of the golf cart or set it down on the green or on the fairway, like wherever they're shooting from. And like, they just kind of get set around and it's the same thing as the phone. You never, and like the cigar is something you don't necessarily want to just sit on something and put back in your mouth. So it makes it really convenient. And the convenience is like the one thing that I always go back to with you guys, which I love. 
Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're like, again, first and foremost, we're avid golfers and we wanted to build something that we would use. And, uh, you know, I, I look at the phone caddy and I often joke around with people and I call it a puppy dog product. And if you don't know what that is, think about a dog, you know, or anybody that's ever owned one, right. Or somebody that didn't want a dog and ended up owning a dog. Right. And once you have it, you love it and you never want to give it back. Um, that's the phone caddy in a nutshell, right? There's a lot of people, frankly, even myself, whenever I first saw it, I, I, I was like really excited about it, but I'm like, am I really going to use this? Is this going to be, is this going to be useful? And I'll never forget it. The first time that I had my phone caddy out there and somebody wanted to try it. I'm like, oh, here, just use mine. I gave my phone caddy to somebody and I had to throw my phone back in that cubby. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is ridiculous. I really do love my product. And so for the last, you know, five plus years, six years, you know, I never go anywhere without it. I use it all the time. Um, and when it comes to the cigars, you know, I mean, you can slide that thing in there and you don't have to take it out in between rounds. So it just stays installed and, you know, it's one Velcro strap and boom, your cell phone holders, cigar holders attached to the golf cart and you're off to the races. So, you know, we, we do, you know, actually think a lot about these things before we build them. They're incredibly simple products, right? They're not you know, we're not, we're not building SpaceX here, you know, we're not, we're not launching rockets, but there is a lot of thought, a lot of engineering that goes into this stuff. And, uh, you know, it's really nice to hear that, you know, people appreciate it. I was going to say, like, it is like some people will look at it and be, I bet people look at it also and go, why didn't I think of this? Like, cause it's something so <laughs> simple, but yet like nobody thinks of it. And like, how long does it t usually take you know, for like the cigar holder or like the attachments, I know you guys said you had, you know, a few hundred prototypes. Is that like, what is the timeline roughly for a new product or something that you guys uh, have released? Yeah, well, the phone caddy, right, was originally, you know, started doing some prototypes back in 2017, but it wasn't just the product. It was also starting a company. And that process in and of itself is one that, you know, you don't step into lightly. I had a full-time career at Intel. You know, Eric had tons of other things that were going on in his world. So half the battle is, you know, developing the product. The other half is convincing yourself that you want to start, you know, putting your own money, time and effort into something to grow it and build a business. So for that one, you know, I'll try to separate that question out into two parts. The product design development and all of that, easily six months, you know, to eight months to develop the phone caddy, you know, kind of soup to nuts. Um, there's, you know, there's certainly things that we could have done to go faster, for example, in hindsight, again. Um, but call it six months, you know, eight months to, to develop a product, bring it to market and, uh, and be off to the races. Um, and again, the complexity of the product matters a lot. The, the, the phone caddy is not a super complex product. The cigar holder is much less complex. So that product, you know, Eric started the design, I'll work on all of that. And, you know, we got it to market, um, probably I'd say maybe three months, maybe four months, but I'll give you a great example. Part of that is, is whenever you're building that, you have to be ready to scale and you also have to have all your packaging, you know, in order. Right. And so one of the things that actually delayed it was all of our packaging. And so we worked with the company, you know, to handle everything so that the package, you know, basically came fully complete. So it's completely packaged. Um, and, you know, we basically just take it and start to ship it. The phone caddy isn't done that way. The phone caddy is done where we get all of the raw parts, but then we take care of all the assembly, the printing you know, the uh, quality control and everything here in the United States. So two completely different types of product flows and each one just kind of, you know, brings its own, you know, challenges, you know, to the, to the table. So, you know, like I said, the scar holder, much, much simpler product, call it about three months, maybe four months in, in total. 
And then with the phone caddy, probably a good six months to uh, eight months in reality. What about the the swing aid tumblers? Like how long did those take? Because you guys also have, you know, many different designs. Were these like, did you guys come up with one and then all of a sudden you guys were like, we could make these different designs? Because the swing aid tumblers are probably my personal favorite, but I also haven't, living in Ohio, haven't been able to use my phone caddy as much as I would have liked to because there's cold weather right. over here, so we don't get to golf as much. But I'm like, that's why I'm itching for spring to be able to get back out and start golfing again. But uh, kind of the yeah. swing tumblers, what happened there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, you and I really didn't connect until last fall, right? So you didn't get your hands on the phone caddies until later. So anxious to see how you love them this this spring. Um, swing aid, a uh, very interesting path. Um, you know, the tumblers themselves are actually sourced, you know, out of China, but we, uh, redesigned, you know, the lid and that's actually in process. So we worked with the guys over there to come up with some, some key pieces of the, of the design. And that one was much, much, much quicker. Um, probably only a couple of months to get that original, you know, tumbler out the door again, you know, came up with the first, you know, swing aid, um, creative on the outside of it. And uh, Eric was very quickly able to do, you know, all of the other, you know, variations. So we ended up creating an umbrella brand called Drink Aid, and then various aids underneath it. So we have Swing Aid, Tennis Aid, Nurse Aid, Hunter Aid, Fishing Aid. You know, there's 11 SKUs in total. And uh, you know, when you get on a creative roll, you just kind of start banging those things out. So I think, you know, I I was I was there, you know, working with Eric and. You know, he sent us the swing aid thing, and you know what's what's good about Eric is is he's the initial create you know creative, right? He develops something, and then each of us are able to kind of fine tune it. We have a couple of employees that work with us, so he would come with us with an idea. We would kind of fine tune it, but you know he one day you know just basically introduced us and said, "Hey, I've got like ten more for you to look at." <laughs> so you know, like with most creatives, you know you get in kind of a kind of a creative flow, and before you know it, you're just kind of cranking these things out and. Since then, we've uh, started to introduce a lot of other ideas to the mix. Um, a lot of people that are purchasing the product are asking us, hey, do you have, you know, a teacher aid, for example, or do you have a, I'm trying to think one of the other ones that hit us over the holidays. We got some requests for about three or four others that kind of came in. And so, again, you just kind of take a step back. You start, you know, throwing on the creative hat and, and figuring out how you want to, you know, build something out and, you know, and, and you kind of run with it. So that one's a little bit different. It's a lot more off the shelf type of product. Uh, but as I mentioned, um, we are in the process of uh, doing a little bit of a redesign on the lid. So when that's ready to go, um, I think that took maybe about three months or so uh, to kind of finish that off. And when that's ready to go, then we'll put that into the product line uh, probably in the next, you know, probably month or two months or so. What I love about them too is like I'm looking at mine right now and like all the like every which way you turn it, you have some type of comical saying, which I really like. It's just the ingredients is my favorite probably. Well, I don't know. I say it's my favorite part, but I'm also I got the Patriot Aid one, you know, how it says made in China and then it has an arrow pointing at it saying the irony is not lost on us. And 60 percent of the time yeah. it works every time. It's just there's so many comical things because it's like a really cool thing. People like see my Patriot aid, see my swing aid, like, man, that's really cool. And I'm, I'll like throw it to them. And I'm like, look at it, read it. Like it gets even better. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. And you know, it, it is tough, you know, in, in the product world, Patriot is a great example, you know, and you know, we, we certainly didn't want to, you know, offend anybody out there that's in the military. We are huge supporters of the military. I think, you know, in our phone caddy, you know, we have the, um, you know, the patriotic edition, right? So we have the blue line, red line, green line, 
Uh, we used to work with Long Drive for Heroes. We would donate, you know, money to the organization, you know, on a uh, quarterly basis. We continue to look for those types of opportunities. And the China thing is where I'm going with this, Cole, is, you know, there are some that just really, you know, were, were not so happy, you know, with that choice. And one of the things that you find in businesses is you're never going to please 100% of the people. And that's a guarantee that I mean, there's just absolutely no way to do that. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we looked at it and said, hey, you know, we're trying to build something that is comical, that, you know, makes people laugh, makes people enjoy what they're having. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we appreciate it when others, you know, can see that and, and, and realize that, you know, don't take it quite so seriously. Uh, but at the same time, you know, trying to do something to honestly, you know, build pride and, you know, and, 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 you know, expand that to other people and make people feel good about things. Yeah, you guys also have like the customization options for these as well. And, you know, and the um, phone caddies as well. Do you guys see more? individual sales of like the ones you have on the website or do you guys see a lot of you know the volume sales that people want the personalized ones well it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mix we have a huge direct-to-consumer presence on amazon so with the phone caddy itself um the drink aid tumblers aren't on amazon yet though they will be very soon um but with the phone caddy uh the direct-to-consumer on amazon is huge we were the number one selling uh, uh excuse me the number one best golf cart accessory throughout all of 2022. So pretty amazing, you know, to, to look at that and say, wow, you know, something that we built, you know, ended up as a number one bestseller on Amazon. So we absolutely crush it, you know, on the direct to consumer side. But in addition to that, we have an entire wholesale side of the business. So the phone caddy is actually available in all of the worldwide golf properties. It's available in PGA Superstore, you know, so you have that wholesale distribution channel um, that is available. It is available at a lot of green grass shops. So if you go into a pro shop, you might find it there. Um, but then you talked about customization. There is an entirely other side of the business that we customize these for golf events, for company promotions, um, a lot of real estate agents, you know, financial, um, you know, advisors and things like that, like to give, you know, gifts out to their clients that have their logos on them. This is an awesome promotional product in the golf industry because there's nothing like it, right? And you're, you, know, you go to a golf event, you get, Tees, hats, balls, towel, you know, it's it's kind of the same swag year after year after year. The phone caddy has been incredibly popular. Um, you you basically run the event, you have a sponsored item for the phone caddy, and you know, nine times out of ten, there's a large corporate sponsor that wants to use it, put their logo on it, and then everybody gets an amazing, you know, new product. The sponsor gets a really cool, you know, promotional item out there. Charity makes money on the entire thing. And of course, it helps sustain our business as well. So it's a, it's an amazing model um, that a lot of events have taken you know taken to uh, to market. And then the last chunk of that is promotional companies. So there is an entire industry of promotional products out there, and companies are looking for promotional products all the time. And this is just for any type of event; it doesn't even have to be a golf event. It's just a company that wants to give out a really nice product to somebody that they might know that's a uh, you know an avid golfer or, or something along those lines. Um, extend that to the swing aid tumbler and the drink aid tumbler line, uh, exact same thing. And for a, for a, for a limited time, we don't know how long we're going to do this. Um, we're offering full customization of the design. So you can contact us. We can change the colors. We can change the ingredients on the can, you know, come up with a new name. Um, we're being very open, uh, right now until such time that it just doesn't scale. 
you know, once it doesn't scale, then we'll have to kind of, you know, turn it down a little bit or figure out ways to have minimums. But, you know, we always try really hard to not have a minimum quantity or threshold on, you know, doing any of these customs. Um, I just have a, a friend of mine that I just met, um, you know, I guess, you know, getting like acquaintance, you know, getting to know the guy and they're doing a golf uh, trip with a bunch of buddies. So there's 20 of them heading out and he's like, Hey, can you help me with the logo and, 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 and build something really cool? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So again, we can, we can do that now. Um, you know, and, and, and we try to as, as often as possible to, you know, take those opportunities to build something really cool for people. Is that one of the best ways, you know, cause like, you know, being a, a company, a start, literally a startup company that, you know, started from just one design is that like getting noticed, I feel like is definitely not an easy thing to do and, you know, slowly getting noticed and expanding. What is, is that one of the best ways to get noticed or like, how do those, you know, being recognized, how does that come about? Hmm, that's a, it's, it's an excellent question. Um, it's hard uh, is the answer. Um, we did so much and we continue to do so much. So a great example, I will be headed to the PGA show in Orlando uh, uh, January 22nd, so 22nd through the 29th, uh, the show's the back half of the week. Um, the very first show we ever did was out in Las Vegas, 2018. Um, these trade shows are huge. You go out, you make a presence in the industry, and then consistency. So this will be our fourth time, I believe, at, at the PGA show. Um, you know, first year, I kind of just showed up, went out to Walmart, bought a table, threw it up there and a big banner and said, hey, you know, I have a, I have a phone caddy. Um, today, you know, we have a full 10 by 10 booth and, you know, we're a much more, you know, professional looking company and a much more professional looking presence. So, you know, you just start as big as you possibly can and as big as you possibly can could be you in a chair at a golf event, you know, and, and honestly, that's what we did for the, for the first couple of years. Um, but then you start to take that money that you're making in the business, you make an investment in the business itself. And the next time you show up, you have a 10 by 10 booth, right? And, you know, you just continue to build on that momentum. And then outlets, tons of different, you know, sales channels and marketing and promotional outlets, everything from email to, of course, social. Um, paid social is huge. That's how you ended up finding us, right? Through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. You know, and you just have to continue to, you know, find what you can afford um spend wisely make sure that you measure um you know consistently so that you can continue to build that and, and put that money back into the business and grow it um that's kind of my probably my, my my best two cents in that um and it just takes a lot of time and effort and you say no a lot more than you say yes early on and then over time you get to say yes more often and that that's really where it gets to be a lot more fun because you get to try stuff and, and take a couple of flyers here and there What's up, everybody? I hope you're enjoying today's guest. A lot of people ask me how they can support the Roughnecks podcast. So I wanted to take a quick break to tell you the best way to support the podcast is to buy and wear merch. We have merch available on our website from hats, t-shirts, long sleeves, sweatshirts, and even coffee cups. There are even use sizes available for the kids. Head over to roughneckspodcast.com and make your purchase today. Thank you for all the support, but let's get back to today's guest. Yeah, the, the part I really liked is like spend wisely because like as a, you know, 
like you said, we have a lot of younger listeners about, you know, 24 to 26 is our biggest range for sure. But, and it's like, you know, a lot of those people may have in their mind right now, like I want to start a business or you know, I want to start some, a side hustle, whatever it is. And I see it a lot. And I, I've seen it watch, you know, the goods and bads of a lot of people starting companies or doing whatever. And it's like, they want to go out and just like spend all this money all at once and like get everything that they have to have right away. And, you know, sometimes that's not what it takes. Sometimes, like you said, it just takes a chair and a table or whatever it is, like spend wisely. You don't have to do everything all at once. Sometimes it's a little bit slower of a process and that's okay because you, I mean, now you guys have a 10 by 10 booth. It, you never know what it's going to transform into, but you just have to work your way up to that. Yeah, I, that, that has been our belief and we've been um, incredibly fortunate and successful along the path, you know, going that route. Um, that said, we're also 100% completely self-funded, you know, so Eric and I started the company um, and we're able to do that. We were very fortunate to be able to do that, but we also started this company a lot later in life um, than, than, than others. Um, there are other ways to do it, right? You can go out and you can secure capital. And, you know, when you're flush with, with cash, you know, again, you can spend through it incredibly quickly, but you can grow a lot faster. But no matter what you're doing, in my opinion, whether you have a lot of money or whether you don't have a lot of money, you know, one of the most important things to do is measure your success. Know what you're trying to achieve and measure it. And if you're achieving those results, then you can easily spend more money on it. What I've seen happen too many times is that you just fall into the trap of, I'm just gonna you know, invest and just continue to spend through it and on hope, right? And, on, and something's gonna happen and you're not really doing the due diligence to see if you are in fact being successful. And you know, it's, not always, it's not always just revenue you know, that, that's gonna be a, a metric of success, right? You gotta look at that, you gotta be looking at profitability at all times. And um, like I said, you know, we were very, very fortunate, um, oddly enough, you know, you know, this is a whole, probably a whole nother podcast, but, you know, COVID as terrible as it was for the golf industry, it absolutely lit that industry on fire. I mean, if you go out and you talk to anybody in the golf industry or you go, you know, Google this and look at the, the data that was out there, it was a, it was an infusion, you know, that unlike anything else, because it was one of the rare things that we could actually all do. And uh, here we are, you know, you know, basically in year two of the business, and, you know, our industry just exploded. So there's so much in terms of, you know, you know, being in the right place at the right time. And that certainly was not in the, uh, in the business plan. So going into January of 2020, our whole, our whole focus was, hey, we're going to go crush the event business. And the event business went to zero in literally days. You know, I mean, you know, all of that stuff unrolled and everybody canceled all of their golf events. And we were like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Um, you pivot 180 degrees and you're like, consumer is the way to go. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're doubling down on Facebook advertising, reaching consumers, launching uh, a much heavier, you know, investment in advertising and promotion on Amazon. And that side of the business, thank God, just took off. So, you know, you, you, you respond, you react to those things, but you're always measuring and seeing what's working, what's not working. And uh, like I said, you know, there are other ways, you know, there's not, there's not only one way to, to do something, but that was the path that we went. And, uh, you know, it was a way, you know, for us to do it in a way that uh, kind of made sense for us. Yeah, you like a big thing with business, I feel like, is you need to be able to pivot because 
you like you said like you never know i mean no one expected covid to happen no one expected that the you know this the that to come about and you have to you know, sometimes you have these plans and you have to i mean you have to be prepared to pivot but you can't like you have to hope for the best but be prepared when things you know your measurements or your whatever they don't go the way you want them to sometimes you have to just take that and transition a little bit to something else and i mean obviously it worked out well for you guys and it worked out well for a lot of businesses that's the thing a lot of businesses got hurt with covid i know people associate covid with so many negative things but there was a lot of good stuff that happened to a lot of companies a lot of people as well yeah and like i said we were one of the one of the uh silver linings i mean it, it was very difficult for a while you know until you are able to successfully transition the business you know, through that pivot and then actually see the results on the other side. Um, but, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, and it's weird in business, right? Because you have to be incredibly focused and you can't just chase everything that's out there, right? And so, you know, you have to know that whenever you are gonna try something new, that you're able to try it, you know, look for the success metrics and then determine, do you just keep moving and forging ahead? or do you pivot again and you try something else? And I don't think there's, there's no secret answer there. There's no, there's no, okay, you need to wait three months, 14 days and 24 hours before you make a decision to move off of that, right? A lot of that is, you know, like I said, good fortune, luck, gut, um, you know, again, trusting your instincts, you know, there, there's just so much that goes into it that you just have to kind of, you know, kind of, you know, decide, okay, am I staying the course, not staying the course? and I mean, of course, the other thing that always comes in is you're always looking at opportunity costs, right? So if I'm doing this, what am I not doing? And if what I'm not doing would make more sense, then maybe it's time to put something on on the back burner and flip to one of those other things. So again, like I said, there's I, I don't believe, I mean, like I said, I've been, I have 20 plus year career at Intel, another five years here at Desert Fox Golf. You know, I've, I've, I've been in the industry for a very, very long time doing a lot of things and I've seen seen and learned a lot along the way, right? There's, um, you know, there's a lot to be said with, you have to maintain focus, you have to make sure that you're doing the right things right. Uh, but at the same time, you've got to be open-minded and be willing to, you know, make the changes when you need to. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask one more question before we get into kind of the final segments. And, you know, one of them was, or one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was kind of, you know, leaving that job at Intel. Did you associate some risk with that? Because, I mean, obviously there was some there, but, you know, kind of take us through, because I feel like there's people on the edge, a lot of people that, you know, oh, I, I don't want to take this jump. It's too risky. Like, but I mean, I learned about a lot of my entrepreneurship classes in college and stuff and just all the guest speakers we had, they all said, you know, they kind of had a lot of them had similar situations to you where they have, you know, a very good full time job that, you know, pays well and is doing doing well in it. And then they just decide to go start their own thing and it works out in the end. But like, you, you know, kind of take us through like the deciding to you know take that leap and just the risk that's assessed with it and kind of how you decide why you decided to end up taking the leap. Awesome question. On a professional um, perspective, second hardest decision I ever made. First hardest decision that I ever made was when I left Intel the very first time ever. Um, I ended up moving and taking a vice president of marketing and sales position at a small company in Pennsylvania. Um, that first time I left the company was incredibly difficult, incredibly scary. Um, I'm really glad I did it um, because I ultimately tried something for a couple of years. 
And when it didn't work out, um, kept in great contact with all of my colleagues at Intel and they welcomed me back, right? And I actually left the company and came back to the company that I left. Stayed there another five years and then was faced with that decision all over again. Second time that I had to make that decision considerably easier, but equally challenging and scary, right? I mean, I have, you know, wife, kids, you know, that type of thing. You're sitting there going, gosh, if this all just doesn't work, then what am I going to do? And oddly enough, you know, I got to the point and I would say my life, not even in my career, just I think it's, you know, for some people, they get there faster. You know, for me, maybe it's because I was at Intel for a good 16 years before I ever left the company. Um, that first time, you know, but for me, I, I had learned a life lesson. And for me, it was, if you don't try to do the things that you believe you want to do, then you will never know if those things were going to be successful or not, because you never gave yourself the opportunity to fail. At the same time, you've never given your, yourself the opportunity to succeed either. So by doing nothing, by choosing to do nothing, I would have had no idea what this would actually have been. And, you know, you, you really get to that point where as, you know, a co-founder of the company, you know, you know that this is only going to grow one way. I'm either going to hire somebody to do the job that I'm doing and really go, you know, gangbusters with it, or I'm going to go do that myself. And it was kind of weird, Cole, because you're sitting there going, I could go continue to do this safe thing that's over here that frankly, I no longer wanted to do, or I could go do the thing that I really wanted to do but had no idea if it was going to be successful or not. And it seems like a very easy decision when you just look at, okay, well, do you want to do A or B? And the answer is I want to do B, then you go do B. And that safety piece and how I was, you know, raised, I think all of your values, all those types of things, you know, it just plays into that decision. And every single one of us is different. Every one of us, you know, has a different history, a different life and for those that have, you know, that security foundation and they're really in a safe place, I think it's a little bit more difficult, you know, for them to, to, to turn, you know, to turn to something else and say, hey, I'm just going to abandon all of that and go in this other direction. Um, at the same time, when you look at people that aren't in, a, in that situation and they're like, hey, this can only maybe potentially make my life better, um, equally scary, right? Because then you're in that rat race of when am I ever going to have that thing that wins? You know, am I always going to be in a position where it's not going to be successful? So each story has a very different, um, you know, a very different overall, you know, umbrella, if you will, if you take a look at it from the, you know, 100,000 foot, 50,000 foot level, um, never an easy decision. Um, easy whenever it's successful to look back and say, wow, that was the best decision of my life. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use the, you know, the corollary of when I left Intel the first time you know, it, it didn't pan out for me, um, but it changed me forever. And it made me more willing to accept risk. It made me more willing to, you know, try things. And, you know, I think one of the, you know, lessons or life lessons that I've, you know, certainly looked back on my life is I spent 16 years at Intel before I left. It's an incredibly long time. Um, you know, I don't know if I would give that advice to others. I certainly won't give that advice to my kids. You know, I'll encourage them to be loyal, you know, to, to stay with the company. And if you're loving something and if you're enjoying what you're doing, then stay there, you know. But at any time that you're not, um, really take a step back and say, there are so many other things in this world that you can go try and go do. Um, go do those things because if they fail and they don't work out, you will learn from it. You will improve. You will grow. 
and you will figure out what the next thing is. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my incredibly long answer to a, uh, what would seem like a simple question, but frankly, like I said, the most difficult career decision was exactly that question that you posed, you know, how do you leave something that is in fact providing you, you know, with, with everything that you need in life and, and then how do you walk away from it? It's crazy listening to that because it's very like, I mean, I've got the same advice. I watched my dad, you know, go through, he's worked at the same company for I think 40 years and he's just been there for so yeah. long. And he, you know, he, he's probably been miserable for let's say three quarters, half of it. And we always ask yeah. him like, well, when are you going to like go do something else? And he's always, and it's the whole comfort thing, like having the good job, having the pay and all this stuff. And, you know, I remember him asking me one day, he was like, you know, cause I have a college degree, but I worked a blue collar job, you know, not really necessarily, I'm starting to work my degree into the things I do now, but you know, not necessarily working or using my degree. And I remember him asking, like, are you ever going to, you know, try and go get a job with like with that your degree is based in? And I said, you know, I'm not exactly sure because I look at my job and I'm like, I love like I'm happy there. I have I love the guys I work with. I just I have a good time. I genuinely like honestly don't mind waking up on Monday and going to work. And and he he was like, you know, that that's the thing. And he's like, and you know what? Worst comes to worst. If it things start to go bad, you have a degree to fall or like you have something to fall on per se, and you can still go get another job. Like, it's not like you're just going to be set out, but he's like being happy. He's like, I, and he's like, you've seen it. I was miserable. Like I've been miserable for most of my time at this job. And I was like, then why don't you go do something else? But that's a whole nother conversation. But you know, it was just, it's, he's said like, you know, if you're happy, that's, that, that's what you want to be like, because you spend, you know, a third of your year, whatever, I think it's a third of your year. If you work an eight hour a day working, like that's what you do a third of your year. And that's a long right. time to spend doing something you don't like doing. So you might as well make yeah. the most of it and enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, listen to any of the, you know, the, 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 the primetime speakers, motivational speakers, the very successful people out there, they'll talk about passion, right? So you need to be passionate about something in order to, you know, be successful at it, you know, and you can, you can look at that and you can weave into that. A lot of people have taken that and, and made changes to it. You need to be happy. You need to you know, be passionate, you need to be, you know, something along those lines. I, I just kind of roll it down to motivation, right? And and when you wake up and you're motivated to go do something, whatever that something is that you're motivated to go do, you can figure out a way to then create money from whatever that thing is. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do, but when you're motivated to do it, it doesn't matter that it's hard. And, you know, because because that passion is aligned, um, putting in the time, putting in the hard work, you know, to, to make it successful, oddly enough is quote unquote easier than whenever you're doing something that you just frankly are disinterested in. So, you know, for me, you know, like I said, it, it's just, um, you know, years and years and years of, of, of living on, on the planet, so to speak, right. And, and making a, making a living, um, you get to a point where you finally say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to all the people talking about, you know, follow your passion, do what you enjoy, you know, be happy. It's, you know, you're, you know, you're only on this, you know, planet for so long, um, go give it a shot. And I think like yourself, Cole, I mean, my dad, you know, lifetime, you know, worker, you know, basically worked his butt off. Um, he was at actually us steel. You know, remember I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I got to watch that as well. Um, and oddly enough, it took me 16 years of kind of doing the same thing, totally different job. You know, there's a big difference between Intel and, and U S steel, but 
at the same time, I was following the exact same path and uh, took a lot. I'm mean, not going to lie. It took, a, it took a whole heck of a lot to convince myself that it was okay to, to give this a shot and, and go off and make it happen. And, you know, huge kudos and shout out to my wife, even though she probably will never listen to this. Um, you know, she, uh, she was there to support me, you know, and that means a lot. You need to have that support, whether it's, uh, whether it's a wife, uh, you know, a family member, a friend, whoever that is, uh, you don't, you know, it's always great to have, you know, to have that support, to be able to help you through those types of really difficult decisions. 100%. And this is leading us into, I'm really excited for these last two segments of the podcast, but I got one question that I like to ask all my guests. And it is, if you could go back in time and tell your 16 year old self one thing, what would it be? Yeah, see, I already, I already ruined that one. I already kind of, I already kind of leaned on it. 16 years old or a little bit older, I would say 16 years old. I would tell myself to um, certainly enjoy and try as many things as possible until the time that you do have to get serious uh, with with life and kind of settle down and make sure that you're on a good path. Um, you know, and that's a difficult thing to say. Well, when when is that the right time? Is it at twenty? Is it at twenty one? Is it twenty two? it's it's not an age you know it's a it's a i think it's a it's an individual decision that based on how you feel and where you are in your life and what you want to achieve and what success is for you as an individual um is where you make the decisions of okay it's time for me to go do something else but but embrace you know embrace the time when you do not have you know what i'm i'm going to use this word and i'm and i I'm, and i almost feel badly using it i'm going to say the burden of um you know upper age and 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 further adulthood and you know i'm watching it with my kid you know it's it's a good time that you ask me right because my, my son's going to be 16 years old um i get to tell him these things now right and i can see the stress that he's under you know he's 16 years old i mean it's 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 hard it's difficult it's you know high school is, is challenging and what am i going to be when i grow up and now i got to look at colleges and you know i vaguely remember those things and feeling overwhelmed but quite frankly, you know, at those ages, you're as free to do whatever you want as humanly possible. And the amount of money that it takes to sustain your life is probably about as small as it's ever going to be. <laughs> so, you know, for, for, for me to go back, what's that? I'm sorry. 100%. I wish I could go back to no bills and uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, right? So, you know, that's that's what I would tell myself. You know, you have to go out and experience as much as you can, because, you know, as I, as I've learned in my own life, it's through those experiences that you learn and they're not all good, right? You learn through bad, you learn through things that go wrong. You know, half the time you learn more whenever something, you know, blows up than whenever it goes successfully, you know, and, and you just grow so much through doing all of those things. So again, you know, 16 years old, you know, that's the type of advice that I would definitely give to myself and, and, and anybody else out there is, is to go and to try and to experience and to not be afraid. Um, I know that things seem very overwhelming, you know, at that age and, you know, you got to get your act together. Everyone's going to tell you, you got to get your act together. Um, you know, end of the day, you know, you have so much time, you know, when you're 16, I mean, there's just so much linear time left. Um, you know, I think I've even heard Gary V, you know, talk about that, right? I mean, there's just so much time that you have, um, to, to, you know, to do all of those other things that, you know, uh, you know, like that you must do. Right. And I talked a little bit earlier about passion and doing things that are fun. 
um, it's not always fun. There are things in life you must do. You just have to suck it up and you got to do it. Um, it's not, you know, it's not that everything's going to be fun. Um, but at that age, gosh, you certainly are about as unencumbered as, as, as it comes when it comes to being, you know, free and able to try a lot of different stuff. Yeah, some of those things that aren't fun, but if you just treat it sometimes, because like some of the worst days of work that like we all we are all dreading the concrete day or whatever it might be, <laughs> or getting covered in fiberglass and for cutting holes in the pool is it's like, you know, you're dreading the certain days. And it's just like if I we and I remember getting into the shop one day and my boss like super excited, like ready to go out. And we're like, what is going on? He's like, I just came to the conclusion if I get excited about it, it's not that bad. And it really, it kind of helps a little bit. It puts you in a little bit different of a mindset. If you go in dreading it, it's going to be long and it's going to suck. But if you go in with a little bit of a positive attitude, yeah, it's still going to suck. Cause I mean, let's be real, that's what's going to happen, but it's a little more enjoyable if you just have a positive attitude about it. Um, not saying it's going to fix yeah. all the problems, but it, it definitely will help. I, I absolutely love that perspective, and it probably has taken me forty plus years to 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 realize it. Right? You choose. You choose every day. You choose how you want to approach the day. You can choose to wake up and say, "Wow, this is going to be absolutely miserable, and it's the worst day of my life because I got to do X, Y, Z," or you can choose to wake up and say, "Hey, this is going to be a difficult day, but I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to be around amazing people, and when I'm done, I'm going to be really proud of what it is. And more importantly, it's over." <laughs> I can move exactly. on and go do something else. So, you know, no matter what it is that you're in, whatever that thing is you're doing, whether it's a day, a month, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, it's, it's, it, it's going to end and then there's going to be something else after it. So, you know, I, I, I absolutely love that perspective, Cole. This perfectly moves us into the best segment of the podcast though, which is motivation Monday. Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for their week as they listen on Monday morning. So I'm curious to hear what you got from Motivation Monday. I'm just going to recap it, man. You wake up every single day and you choose, you know, how you're going to be that day. You know, choose to be happy, choose to be excited, choose to go out and make the best of the day. Not telling you that it's going to make you know that day amazing and it's always going to be roses and cherries because it's just not going to happen, you know. But every single day you wake up and you just make that decision that that you're going to make the best of everything, you know. And it just it sets the tone, you know. You wake up and you and you just try to make the best of it. And for the record, I'm I don't do it every day. I don't. Um, I tell myself this same advice much more frequently now than I ever have. Um, you know, you, you, you just have to do that. Um, you know, and, and you'd be, you'd be, you'd be lying to yourself. I think if you were going to tell yourself that every single day you're going to be successful doing that, but I'm seeing more and more of it, you know, um, out there, I think anyways, and I, I was reading a post on LinkedIn the other day and it was very similar to this, you know, type of advice, which is you get to choose, you know, you can wake up and, you know, you can choose to be happy. You can choose to be, you know, excited about going to do your job. You mentioned that you can choose to be you know, reasonably motivated to go into concrete day and be successful. You know, one of the fun things that I see on TikTok, Instagram reels right now is the, yeah, you know, it's the, you know, holy shit, I built that type of moment, right? I, I probably am paraphrasing here. I'm not getting it right, but there's so much that, you know, when you're done with something, you look back on it and you're like, damn, I did that. You know, that success is huge, you know, and, you know, you look back on those things. It wasn't easy getting there, but when you look back on it, you know, take those moments, 
use those moments to build you up, lift you up and move forward. And, you know, you are going to have the bad ones, let them go. You know, it's uh, whatever it is, let it go and, and move on because you can only control what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, can't handle anything that's happened in the past. Exactly. Like those bad moments that happen, you know, it, let it go. You learn from it. You, you don't you know you never want to have that happen again. So that's where you can learn from it and grow from it. And there's just so many ways, you know, just having a positive and being happy and just it, it, yes, the world's not going to be perfect. Like things are going to go wrong. It is inevitable and it will, you will have something go wrong every single day. There's at least one thing that's going to go wrong, but it's how you man it. Like you don't, you can't control everything, but what you can control is how you react and how, you know, things go from that point forward. So you can make it a big deal and then you can ruin you know, how, how much time do you want to ruin? Do you want to ruin the rest of your day or do you want to ruin, take five minutes and get mad about it and then kind of move up past it? Now, like you said, we're not perfect at it. We're still going to, you know, spend hours, you know, still frustrated about something that happened, you know, yesterday, whatever it is, it's going to happen where we're not perfect at it. But if you just continue to kind of build that mindset of yourself, eventually it's just going to continue to get easier and easier to move past things and let them go. Couldn't agree more, Cole. Couldn't agree more. But with that, that's all we have for today's episode. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show and allowing the Roughnecks podcast to work with Desert Fox Golf. Where can people check out your products and follow you guys on social media? Yeah, so social media, um, we're on you know Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. It's always at Desert Fox Golf is the handle. And then our uh, two websites are desertfoxgolf.com and then desertfoxproducts.com. And, uh, you know, again, through the Roughnecks podcast, use the code Roughnecks, and you guys can save 10% on the vast majority of our products that are out there. And uh, really looking forward to working with Cole and, you know, seeing what he can do with the podcast here over the next couple of years. Um, it was a real pleasure, uh, with, uh, you know, giving me an opportunity to chat and, and be on here for the last hour or so. And uh, like I said, uh, you know, really looking forward to seeing what you got coming up over the next year or so. Oh, I'm excited. I think we got some things that we'll be uh, in touch about, you know, a little bit of uh, some customization options maybe that might come into play here in the future, but I'll leave that at that right now. But uh, like you said, go use the promo code Roughnecks to get 10% off your order. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in today. And until Friday, you guys know the deal. Life is hard and it's going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider. Don't let that bull of life walk all over you. Get up, grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks, out. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of the Roughnecks podcast. If you liked today's episode, then please be sure to share it with a friend. You can follow the Roughnecks podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Roughnecks Podcast. Head over to roughneckspodcast.com and grab yourself some Roughnecks merch. Until next time. Make sure you grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life. Roughnecks.